Hey, I'm Pastor Robert. Welcome to Riverside Friends Church. We're going to continue our look at 1 Corinthians today. We're going to be in chapter 12, chapter on spiritual gifts and stuff. Um, have you ever seen a three-legged race? You know, uh, that like park game, whatever. Uh, it doesn't work, obviously, when when people are fighting against one another. But when it really works well is when you know, they're, they're working together to, you know, move that center leg at the same time. And I saw this really cool video this week. Uh, and so I wanted to share it with you because I think it really highlights what what's capable when they work together. So check this out. This is from the Free Press Journal. This is a race. We're going to see if this... Look at how their, their legs are just working together. That center leg coming at just the exact same time. She's blind. He's a guide with her to get her around the track in the right spot. It's just impressive. It is so impressive to watch. And one thing I love is how he almost like pulls up at the very end there. Kind of like right, right here. So you can see him sort of like, let's see if I can get this uh, playback speed. We'll play it back at like half speed. And you'll see him almost slow down just so she can cross the finish line first. I think it's really cool. All right, let's get that out of here. Boom. There we go. Yeah, and I, I think it's just an awesome video that shows like how, how cool it is when they can work together in this way. Now, they're like different people. He's a dude. She's a girl. Um he can see and she can't. And I think that really articulates what's happening in the Corinthian church. Because we have to remember something about the Corinthian church is that they're multicultural with vast differences in socioeconomic status. There are poor people, enslaved people, rich people, Jewish people, Greek people, all living together and worshiping together in this church in Corinth. And I think like looking at this man and woman work together so that she can cross the finish line and win the race is so appropriate for how we need to understand what's happening here in 1 Corinthians. Because Paul is writing to them about unity first and foremost. We saw this last week in the look at communion. So often we think about communion as being this like very individualistic exercise. But when Paul says, examine the body before you come, come forward and eat, he's not talking about your own individual body. He's talking about the corporate body, the body of Christ. And we're going to see that again here because pretty much every time that Paul uses the word body in 1 Corinthians, he's talking about the church. Except when you get into like chapter 15, we'll get there in a, in a couple of months, maybe a month. So we're going to be looking at like 1 Corinthians chapter 12 or so. And so this is like that continuing discussion on unity. Last week, Paul said that the teaching of communion is less about purity, more about unity. And so Paul now continues that look in unity in 1 Corinthians 12. So in particular, now Paul is going to look at unity in worship. And, he, and how does spirituality aid unity in worship? Because oftentimes we tend to think about 1 Corinthians 12 as like the chapter on spiritual gifts. And then you got 13, the chapter on love. And 14 is about worship. And I really want to kind of challenge that idea today. Because if we separate those out, if we separate chapters 12 from chapter 13 and chapter 14, we treat them all separately, we're going to miss the big picture. 
And Paul is using these three chapters and even parts of chapter 11 and 10 to make one big grand point. And so we're gonna, we need to spend a few weeks talking about this. So how do we break down our understanding of chapter 12, 13, and 14? Well, this has to do with what's called a chiastic structure. If you've ever seen a, a chiasm, um, this is like a Hebrew way of telling a story. Let me see if I can pull this up here real fast. I'm just going to pull up paint on here and see if I can show that. Let me get this up here. All right. Yeah, this will work. This is paint. So uh, if you're listening on a podcast, I'm so sorry. But here, if you can imagine almost like in, wait, why isn't this drawing? There we go. If you can imagine something like this, if you take a mountain and you kind of turn it sideways on its head so that the top of the mountain is heading to the right, the base of the mountain's on the left. So at the top, we might draw, you know, like chapter 12. Oh yeah, this is good. This is good stuff right here. This is what you subscribed for. Chapter 12, and we would have something like, uh, sorry, give me one second here. Um, oh, you can sort of see that. A chapter 12 has a discussion on worship. We'll put a W there for worship. And then 12 again has a chapter, has part of it on gifts. We'll just put that as a G because that's what that's supposed to mean. This is fantastic stuff, let me tell you. And then chapter 13, we'll put right here in the middle at the top of the mountain is about love. Put a little L there. And then chapter 14 begins with the discussion on gifts. And 14 ends with a discussion on worship. Wow, I am quite the artist there, let me tell you. Uh, so what you can see from like this in this video, uh, what happens is chapter 12 begins with worship up here, and then it moves in to love and then moves back out. So it goes worship, gifts, love, gifts, worship. That's a very common Hebrew way of telling a story. This is how a lot of Hebrew stories work. Once you once you begin to see this idea in scripture, you'll see it again and again and again. Once you like learn to identify it, it happens all the time. And the way that the Hebrew wor storytelling works for a chiasm is that the center, the center is the most important. So if we read chapters 12 on its own and we try to like cut this off here, we'll miss We'll get stuff on worship and gifts, and that's good, but we'll miss that this is really about love. That's what, wow, I did all of that drawing just to make that one point. Okay, uh, so Paul here, he's using this like known structure to tell people when you worship, whatever you bring needs to be grounded in love, right? All the gifts of the Spirit and the worship of God is grounded in love. And 1 Corinthians begins by talking about these gifts of the Spirit, in Greek, that's one word, like gifts of the spirit. That's what our NRV says. Do you see that? I just splashed on myself. Let me tell you, this is a fantastic video so far. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 begins by talking about the gifts of the spirit. In Greek, that's one word. It's pneumatikon. If it, if does, it doesn't like specifically mean like spiritual gifts, the word like literally means spiritual. 
In Greek, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 says, Peri pneumatikon adelphoi ou thelu humas agnoen. Agnoeo. Um, so if I translate that word for word, it would say something like, now concerning the spiritual brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. And when Paul says the spiritual brothers and sisters, the, there's a question about how is this meant to be read? Is it spiritual brothers and sisters, meaning the spiritually inclined brothers and sisters? Or is Paul saying, and we could like put this word order different, brothers and sisters concerning the spiritual, I don't want you to be uninformed. Is he talking about spirituality in general or spiritual people specifically? I don't know. And so 1 Corinthians 14, 37 ends with that same word, pneumatikos. So these three chapters, they form one section all about pneumatikos, what is spiritual. So our chapter designations were really added later on. Paul didn't chapter his letters. Sometimes it's easy to miss that and separate out these chapters from one another. They should be understood as one continual unit all about this spirituality. So this chapter, chapter 12, is not specifically about gifts. There's another word for gifts, and Paul's going to use that in verse 4. That word is charisma or charismata. That means gifts. But here in the introduction to this section, he isn't talking about gifts specifically, but spirituality generally. Particularly, he is talking about spirituality in worship. Uh, thus, Paul begins and concludes the discussion with reference to spiritual persons, pneumatikon, or um, yeah, pneumatikon. And in other words, in these chapters, the primary concern is what it means to be spiritual in the context of public worship. See, Paul is not necessarily sorting out confusion over spiritual gifts in general, but in order to address the issue of what true spirituality entails. And he broadens the discussion to include gifts so that the Corinthians know what is happening. So this section is meant to help us clarify how does the spirit work in us? And a part of that is understanding spiritual gifts. So here's what we need to see in the scripture. Like, I know that was a lot. There was a lot of stuff there and about Greek and about chiasm and whatever. Here's what we really need to know. So often we can get bogged down in this is my spiritual gift or that is my spiritual gift or whatever, but the emphasis was never meant to be on the gift itself. The emphasis is meant to be on the love and unity of the believers. There's a quote from the TV show House. Um, he asks one of the doctors working for him, he says, uh, you know, he, if you've ever seen the TV show House, he's got this like almost condescending way of asking questions. And I'm going to do my best to be condescending. He says like, you wake up in the morning and the paint's peeling off the walls, the curtains are gone and the water's boiling. Which do you deal with first? You know, and the doctor pauses for a moment to think and House yells out, the house is on fire, get out. Those are happening. The paint's peeling, the curtains are gone. And the water's boiling because the house is on fire. And so it would be like easy to try to address any one of the problems, but it would miss the big picture. And so if we read this teaching on spiritual, as though, like what Paul is writing here, as though he's talking about spiritual gifts alone, on love alone, or on worship alone, and we separate these chapters out, we'll miss the big picture that Paul is showing us. Paul is trying to teach us about the spirit. And if we focus on anything else, we risk missing, missing the big picture. See, there's a fire ready to set the church ablaze. 
And if we spend too much time asking, well, what's my gift? Or I like worship with speaking in tongues or whatever, we can miss the fire of the Holy Spirit. And so when Paul says about the spiritual thing, I don't want you to be uninformed. He's saying, don't miss the fire. So we need to dive into spirituality. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 7 says that there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. Then Paul has his list of spiritual gifts. And he concludes that paragraph with uh, verses 11 to 13. He says, all these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to eat and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, the one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So I had a teacher who used to tell us, You are unique just like everybody else. He was my favorite teacher. So even though God has made us all unique, he has gifted us with unique gifts. The purpose for all of the gifts is the same though. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. To each one, the spirit is given for the common good. God hasn't gifted for any reason other than the common good. That's why God has given us these gifts for the common good. That's right from our scriptures there. NIV translates the word simphero here to common good. And that's a fine translation. The word occurs three times in 1 Corinthians and it's translated as beneficial in the other two places. What is the common good then? Because I think that's a, a great question. What, what's the common good? The Greek word simphero and other places it's translated as beneficial. The common good is what is beneficial or what is helpful. The gift that we have, that we are given, so that we can be helpful to one another. God has given us the gifts that we have so that we can be helpful, that we can be a benefit to one another. Here's a little side note. Gordon Fee, he's one of the best Bible scholars alive today, says that 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 may be Paul addressing an issue in the Corinthian church. And Gordon Fee says that he thinks, or he presents the idea, that there are people speaking in tongues in church and nobody can understand them in the Corinthian church. And Paul's saying that that's not helpful in any way. And so Paul, in particular in chapter 14, he's, he's going to hit hard on this idea that in worship you don't speak in tongues unless there's somebody there to interpret. It wouldn't be helpful to hear somebody blabbing on in a tongue you don't understand. And when we remember that the center of the chiasm is love, Paul's point might be, it is unloving to speak in a tongue that is unintelligible to the people around you. So the gifts of God are given to the church, all of us uniquely, so that the church can benefit from them. If the church is not benefiting from your gift, you've not used your gift correctly. And so when Paul says, can a foot say, because I'm not a hand, or can an ear say, well, I'm not an eyeball? This is what he means. He says, you have a unique part to play to bless the church. 
The foot blesses the body and carries it. The ear hears the message and blesses the body with it. If you're not using your gift, the church is suffering because we are not blessed by you. Let me put it this way. I've made up a story. Once upon a time, there was a woman who loved the Lord, but never found her spot to serve. She was asked to serve the children's snacks and said, no, it's not really my place. So she was asked to serve on a prayer team to pray for the members of the church and said, no, it's not really my place. She's asked to greet the people at the door and she said, no, it's not really my place. So when she got old and crabby, she complained. Where'd all the children go? Why isn't there more prayer in the church? Why did no one open the door for me? If she's blessed on that day, God will show her that the kids went without a snack, the church went without prayer, and old friends and newcomers went without being welcomed because she failed to serve. See, the church is less when we fail to live up what fail to live up to what God has equipped us to do. None of us are called to be a virus in the body of Christ. We are all called and equipped as different parts. And here's what makes me sad. If you consider yourself a mature Christian and you don't know your role, you better find out because I can tell you that the church is lacking without you, that there's something lacking in the church because you're not serving. The church will be better with you serving. So the next part we got to cover is why is it necessary? Why is it necessary that we serve? This is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 22 to 26. Jumping ahead a little bit. It says, on the contrary... Those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving it greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. In the body of Christ, there should be no division. We all work together for a common purpose. And I know a a number of leaders, I've been in like a meeting with some other pastors recently, and they've, they've like this, they've expressed a dislike for purpose statements and vision statements and things like that. And I think that's kind of wrong. So I'm going to say that if we don't have a purpose or a vision that we're working towards, a common goal, how can we work together? For about the last year or so, I've been training for and have completed a couple of triathlons, and I've really enjoyed the process of training. I've enjoyed the swimming, the biking, the running. If my arms didn't work to swim, I would drown. If my legs didn't work to pedal, I would crash my bike. If my feet didn't work to run, I would fall over. I need every part of my body working in cooperation so that I can swim the half mile, bike the 18 miles, and run the 5K, the 3.1 miles. There's another part of triathlon that often goes overlooked by new people. And so if you Google the fourth discipline of triathlon, you're going to see that it's all about nutrition. You'll read all about nutrition. The fourth discipline of triathlon is all about nutrition. I have to focus on being well-fed throughout the day. I need, when I'm working out, when I'm doing this, 
when I'm swimming the half mile or more and biking the 18 miles or more and running the 5K or more, I need to be thinking about what am I eating? So I need about 80 grams of carbs and one gram of salt every hour. And it helps when I have about 50 milligrams of caffeine as well. If I'm not well fed, my body starts to shut down and I just can't physically move anymore. Two weeks ago, I had a a training run of 13 miles. I ran a half marathon for training. And at mile 11, I hit the wall. I was out of carbs. I didn't have anything left to eat. And so I walked, jogged the last two miles home or so. Normally on these long jogs, I'm at like a 10 or 11 minute mile or so. And I kind of hold that for the entire length. But the last two miles, it took me 45 minutes to complete. For the last two miles, I just kept a mantra in my head going, legs be legs, legs be legs, legs be legs, legs be legs. And that through that whole time, that goal is what really got me home because I could have just laid down on the road and I might still just be laying on the road somewhere. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 and 13 says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. We are all given the Holy Spirit to drink. In the swim, I need my arms to be arms. In my, I need my feet to be feet on the bike. I need my legs to be legs in the run. In the church, I'm saying church to you, Legs be legs, arms be arms, feet be feet, and all of them, all of them be fed by drinking the Holy Spirit. And here's the incredible thing. I've had my arms, my legs, my feet since birth. I don't know any others. Like these are just the arms, the legs, the feet that I got. For the church in Corinth, they're all different. They're made up from our verse from Jews, Greeks, slave, free, They aren't supposed to work together. Their culture says you should have nothing to do with one another. But when they do what they were made to do, when they drink of the Holy Spirit, they find their purpose, their mission, and they live together to carry the body of Christ across the finish line. So what is the mission of Riverside Friends Church? If we are a body, a complete body of Christ here, what is our mission? I'm going to say that our mission is to get the gospel into the lives of the people least likely to hear it in Mason City. Our mission is to get the gospel into the lives of the people least likely to hear it in Mason City. That is the trajectory God has put us on for many years. We have just in the last few years begun to claim it for ourselves. Sorry. Here's what we've seen in this sermon. There's a bigger story than our individual gifts that Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 12. He is speaking about unity that is grounded in the Holy Spirit and in love. And the Lord has equipped us all for his service, for the common good of the church. And we all must work together to accomplish the vision that God has set before us. Legs be legs, arms be arms. How does that work practically? Well, what area is God calling you to serve in? So I can tell you that there's a number of needs that we have in the church where we need people to serve, both inside the church and out. We need people who are willing to invest in our elementary and middle school aged kids. 
We're losing them because we don't have a place for them. We don't have people willing to invest in them on a regular basis. We need teachers for our youth on our Wednesday night. Yes, Wednesday night. We have Bible lessons and ready and prepared for them and nobody to to teach them. We got youth there and nobody to teach them. Can you run an iPhone? You can help Ricky and Liz run the projector and the soundboard. We need greeters to welcome people. That's not a role for the children because the children cannot make friends with the new adults. Instead, we need people to welcome people in and to show them, hey, here's what's coming up. Here's what you can be invited into. We need Sunday school teachers and prayer group warriors. We need a building and grounds crew, somebody who's willing to take care of the yard and the building. Do you have a musical talent? I don't need to play every week and neither does Sarah. And if you think that you are too young, too old, too new, too whatever, I want to challenge you. Show that to me in scripture. I think our scripture is telling us today and is asking you, are you an arm? Arms be arms. Are you a leg? Legs be legs. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you help me to see what I am in your body? Would you help me to live out of that? Would you strengthen this part that legs may be legs and arms may be arms so that we might live in unity for your kingdom. Would you strengthen us together as one body to live in unity for your purpose, for your goal, so that we might see you carried across the finish line. Lord, we know that we need you. So would you just help us to live out of that? We just ask this in your name. Amen.